Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of See Here Love. And we are right in our series called Amazing Women Who Inspire Us and Are Changing the World. I know it's a long title, but that's me. But that's the only way I could really kind of encapsulate uh, these women and what they're doing and the, and the good and yet hard work that they are committed to, to ensuring gender equality and gender parity and gender equality and breaking the bias. Should I go on? I could, I won't, but I'm just saying it, this series I love and this interview I have with Zari Gill is so inspiring. I actually knew Zari years ago when I was working with World Vision Canada and uh, we worked on some really hard advocacy projects while I was there. One being um, informing uh, Canada about the challenges of HIV and AIDS and raising awareness and support for it. And, and, and Zari and I worked together in, in that, which was uh, life-changing and life-transforming for me. Um, she's a global health professional, a social entrepreneur. She's the founder and president of Redshaw, which she'll talk to us about more, which is really just empowering young women who are coming to Canada with skills training, which is, is incredible. Um, she is a physician with 25 years of experience in 30 countries. She has done work and lived in 30 countries and then made her home in Canada. So I'm excited for you to meet Zari, to hear her inspiring thoughts on her leadership learnings, the challenges she's faced as a woman of color, her own personal story, uh, the work she's doing, her advice for the next generation, so much. Uh, it's all the things in this conversation. So without further ado, here is Zari Gill. Well, I am so thrilled to have Zari Gill with me on our Amazing Women Who Inspire Us and Are Changing the World series. Zari, welcome to See Here Love. Thank you, Melinda. Thank you. It's an honor for me to be here with you and uh, to be able to share my thoughts and uh, my, my story and, and the, the things that I, I care about with you today. Amazing. Now, Zari, we have a bit of a history. I have known you mm -hmm. because we worked in the same organization many, many, many years ago. Uh -huh. And I think I was like a young, I don't even know. I, I think I remember seeing you speak and being so inspired of your courage and the work you were doing. I mean, that goes back how many years? 20 plus? Almost. I don't know. Yes. It was about 20. <laughs> yes, almost. <laughs> We were young babes. Yes. Sorry, we were young babies then. Yes, um, um, yeah, that that goes back way back to '99, <laughs> I think. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so it's an amazing that you know years later, you know, we can kind of come together in different spaces now, uh -huh. looking at all the things that we've done and accomplished. And so I think we need to just take this moment to kind of like take it all in. Like, you have done tremendous work. Uh, God has really taken you on quite a journey, and I'm so excited to hear about it in the next while. But Thank I you. just remember, I want to tell you that, you know, in that time many years ago, I remember some incredible work you were doing in, you know, yeah, 
advocacy and, and helping in, in communities. And I was so inspired and, and encouraged by you. So I just wanted to say that to you if I haven't already done so. so. And thank you, Melinda. And I must say that you were inspiring for me at that time too, because, you know, I remember that you were able to do things that others could not. You know, that was, <laughs> you know, like uh, this is way back when we were still working on a very, very strong approach to HIV AIDS care and yes. the HIV AIDS orphans and all and the kind of materials that we worked on together. I, I saw the courage in you. I saw the the way to get oh. things done. And I think that was very and is still, you know, very inspiring for me. So thank you for for being there and for supporting me with the, with the programs that we were trying to bring forward in, in a very effective and effective communicative way. Thank you. Thank you. You know, I got chills on that because I remember at that time when we had to share the stories of people and communities and that had, you know, HIV mm -hmm. and, and AIDS, and it wasn't a, it was a hard topic to talk about then. Mm -hmm. uh, people were resisting it. And I remember, you know, as a young person having to go in front of people and talk about it and convince people this was important, that we needed to care for people. We needed to, to, to give money and support and prayers for it. Mm -hmm. And so thank you for remembering that because I remember that was very difficult, but it was important and necessary. We needed to get the message out. So Thank you for that. I like I, that's why I love when people have been in your life for so long because they remember things. Yes. Um, that maybe you've forgotten. So I appreciate that a lot. All right, Zara, we have a lot to cover, uh -huh. and I'm so excited to learn and listen uh, to you and and from you. But let's start off with in your life two leadership learnings or words of wisdom that you live by. I always love this because I always love to hear what people say. So. What are some of the learnings or words of wisdom that you have lived by up until now? Um, one of the most important words that I usually fall back on is flexibility, Melinda. Flexibility as a leader, because that's when you talk about you're able to make room, you're able to change, you're able to shift as slightly as possible, you know. And, and that brings uh, to mind the, the, the image of a snow, uh, like a surfboarder, you know, or a snowboarder. And I call it a snowboard uh, leadership because you as a leader, when you have flexibility, you're, you're able to hold your balance as a leader, mm. but you're still shifting and changing and adjusting and making room for others. And I think that's the strongest um, uh, quality that a leader can have. They don't compromise on the standards. They don't uh, uh, let go of the protocols or, you know, the important uh, objectives or targets or, you know, the ends that they have, uh, uh, you know, promised. But they are still able to work with a lot of flexibility with their team. Uh, and the other thing which is, you know, which is like part that. of my learning is uh, when the leader expects great things from their teams, outrageous, outrageous things from their teams, you know, um, that is when the team uh, works well and is able to achieve so much more, more, more than even what was expected, you know, we, we know, that, you know, that when 
you when you more is expected of you you behave in an, in that way right where when you're mm-hmm. appreciated when you are um, you know uh, given credit for when you are given attention to you know uh, that's when your work in that particular circumstances but you know especially when it when it is hard you know hard topics that we were mm-hmm. just talking about but when the leader yeah. shows you that uh you know he he or she expects a lot from you you do better and you know they also live by that you know it's not only that mm-hmm. you in the team is expected to do well the whole team including the leader themselves so outrageous expectations is a great great learning for me as a leader from my work in, the, in you know in the in the development and also with women uh, that i've been able to achieve so far those are fantastic i love flexibility as a leader and that visual of uh, surfboard snowboard because you're right it's like you're on it and you have to be core and anchor so you're like solid but you have to move to move around and to go down you know the hills and 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 bypass a rock or a tree mm-hmm. i love that i've never heard that before and it's a great visual because i can see that where it's like you stand you have to stand strong mm-hmm. but you have to move right yes uh on the board that's really good i love that yeah in and your I heart you know when... that you cannot fall right and 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 yeah. so that's why you know you you learn how to how to adjust to do everything that is around you thank you yeah so good and then i love when the leader expects outrageous and great things from their team it, it, i i get that like i've really pushed my team into some things <laughs> especially during the pandemic and they're just like oh melinda but when we when we gathered together and kind of rose to this the occasion of doing it mm-hmm. uh i saw my team really come together and then accomplish things we honestly didn't think we could mm-hmm. in a pandemic we actually went above and beyond anything that pre covid mm-hmm. we would have done yeah. i'm just saying like it's you dream big you get the people to go with you and they will go and then it was amazing that and i'll share this with you cuz i haven't really shared this but we were doing a team meeting after i think our first or year and a half after kind of dealing with the pandemic mm-hmm. and one of my team members says to me cuz i said how did how did i do as a leader how did our year go how are we doing mm-hmm. and one of my team said um I'm so glad Melinda that you pushed us to do more more things. You stretched us to be creative because then it didn't feel like we were really in a pandemic. Mm-hmm. We were focusing on things to reach people with good news and possibility and hope and we weren't stuck in the mire of oh the situation. We were kind of going forward mm-hmm. with new ideas and new things. And it just anyway what you're saying kind of reflects what she said and I'm like okay mm-hmm. so that's great sorry like I just felt like yeah when you as a leader uh ask that or you know of your team what happens to them it's good those are great learnings i've written them down because i'm always i i want to i want to go back to them as a leader um and uh think about those i love those okay excellent mm-hmm. this is a you know a tough question mm-hmm. but a, an important question a necessary question especially for women um of color uh women in Canada uh tell me sorry one or two challenges you faced and then how you have overcome um 
because I think in those places we can learn, grow, and, and have a sense of sort of the solidarity as well mm-hmm. together. Yes. Um, yeah, those were, you know, like they've been in Canada for 20 plus years now. And then that reminds me of my first year in Canada. And the hardest thing uh, and the challenge and the hardest thing which I felt at that time was that expectations from me were different, right? I was expected to know less English or different mm. English, you know, which of course I had, uh, my accent is different. My, the way I express is different. But, you know, the, the, the challenge was that I was expected to, you know, to, to know less. And, and at times I would mm. say, <laughs> the time I would say that, wow. uh, I would hear actually, you know, is that, is that a new word for you? Um, you know, uh, and, and, and it was tough. Uh, it was tough to, to, to be able to deal with it. Um, the only thing that, that was in my quiver at that time was patience, you know, to be able to say, okay, but slowly and steadily, um, mm. they will understand. But, you know, but the, the not only just the language part, but also, you know, like the other behaviors. For example, you know, um, uh, once there was this, um, you know, there was a potluck and I, I volunteered. I said, okay, I'll bring the food. And next morning I bring the, you know, whatever I cooked. And I was asked um, about, oh, is it well cooked? Um, and I'm trying to look at them. I mean, how do I describe that? I mean, is it well cooked or not? Of course, I said, yes, it is well cooked. Um, then I was asked, oh, did you put it in the fridge overnight? Um, you know, things like that. So, again, the same thing. Like, <laughs> you know, the, the expectation was mm-hmm. different and uh, strangely different that, you know, like me being a person of, you know, brown skin and dark hair, yeah. um, it was just given perhaps that you, you you know, you behave differently. So, again, you know, the same thing that you kind of uh, give a little bit room and you make room and help them understand that, you know, uh, with time, uh, things will be more clear. But one of the hardest things for me, which took me a while, was the cultural difference. Because, you know, uh, Mm -hmm. coming from a very strong uh, cultural background, um, uh, as a woman, uh, you present, you know, or you present yourself, I mean, like, of course, you talk confidently, you stand and participate in whatever is going on confidently. But as a woman, you're never supposed to make eye contact with men in your workplace or with women. Women who are senior to you in age or position, you never make an eye contact. And, really? and uh, yeah, I mean, that's, that's how wow. it is in many, many cultures, you know, and, um, uh, and of course, you know, uh, that was inborn in me. That was, that, that's how I was raised and educated and everything. Uh, but the problem, the challenge for me was that that was seen as lack of initiative, lack of, you know, being able to, uh, participate and, and or, or take leadership. So I was put in this box, you know, a box where mm-hmm. it says she has very strong sound knowledge, like, you know, like the health knowledge and the health programs that because mm-hmm. I, I joined, um, you know, with, with my background and as a physician and as a public health expert. So 
I was put in this box of having sound knowledge, but then there was always this little label sub somewhere, uh, lack of initiative or lack of, you know, uh, uh, communication. So I think that took me a very long wow. time to, to deal with because uh, it was very slow process for me to understand uh, that this mm. is what was causing it, you know, and, and it's only through, you know, a friend who became a good, you know, mentor as well. So, so, and she actually just reached out and asked me like, why don't you ever look at me? And I said, what do you mean? And, and I did not even know that I was not making eye contact, you know? So wow. that- here's a question I have. This is, this is fascinating. Cause I, I'm so grateful for your friend mm-hmm. because where is the balance of, especially with cultural differences for people to ask in kindness and understanding versus in judgment and in shame, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. What, what would you say? Because I think there's a lot of people who are like, Mel, I don't want to say anything, especially if, if it is a woman of color or somebody of color, because what if it's offensive? But on the flip side, there have been some really good things that were hard things said to me mm-hmm. about character and things that have helped, that helped me mm-hmm. now become a leader I am today because people were loving enough and, and courageous enough to, to share that with me. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, so I, what would you say is, what would you say in speak into that? Um, you know, the fact is that there is no, um, uh, no coaching as a newcomer or, or a woman of color mm. who's new in, in Canada, for example, or in new in the workplace. Um, uh, there is no, and even up to this day, you know, like I'm part of certain, you know, um, groups that are working on newcomer settlement and, and developing new programs for newcomers and refugees that are coming in. And one of the things that has been felt very strongly is the lack of coaching and mentoring and being able to understand, you know, or or a space where you can ask questions because you like, like I was Ah. saying, I never realized that, that I was that I was never making eye contact until the point, you know, to the, uh, until that day where I was asked that, why don't you look at me directly? And just because we got into that comfort level years, years later. So it happened. So, so I think that is uh, that, uh, that as a woman of color was, um, uh, it did put me behind uh, for a while, you know, Um, like I said, you know, I had that strong, um, representation as a as a person who is sound with her knowledge and her ability and her you know um as far as you know like the the soundness of the approach is concerned but then i lacked that communication uh, excelling part you know uh, which was which came later on so i feel like that is something that we need to look into you know like women Mm -hmm. who have dark hair and dark skin how do we bring that forward to the others who are not aware of it? And that's a question to myself Good. and to others. And, and I'm, I'm very committed to bring it forwards in a way and be able to, to learn. And, and I think this, this, in, this t- discussion right now will be of help to many because they will understand yeah. and because many of them will be from the same, uh, you know, uh, background where, you never look at somebody in the eye and, and you can be strong. You can be, you know, very sound, but uh, you never look in the eye. And, and I think that's what we need to learn differently as well. 
That's fascinating, Zari. And I think cultural, I mean, that's just one of many cultural differences where in North America, mm -hmm. it is about strong handshake, mm -hmm. eye contact, mm -hmm. kind of this assertive, right. forward, right. body, all in, you know what I mean? Like it's this... Whereas if culturally it's like, that is not, that is that's not actually acceptable. wrong and offensive and everything yes. bad with that. Yes. You can imagine you're right. I never, I've never heard of that to think. And then you come in with all your education experience and then people, because of that, then assume things of you mm -hmm. that you're not, you're, you probably were like, maybe she's avoiding or she's insecure or she's not confident mm -hmm. or she doesn't, you know what I mean? I can see what people are thinking. Mm -hmm here in North America, if you weren't looking at them in the eye. Yes. Yes. And you're very right. You know, that's why you are put in that other box. You're right. Other box. Yes. <laughs> I don't, wow. I don't know what to how to describe that box, but <laughs> that other box, which is separated, you know, which is not part of, yeah. you know, like the, 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 the main, um, you know, the main circle where things are happening. And, yeah, and I think that that's a huge challenge. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. That's really, really good and, and insightful. And I think we'll get to this a bit later. So I do want to talk about, mm -hmm. you know, the sort of coaching and mentoring mm -hmm. that, you know, if we are as a society going to learn and grow together, accept and understand there does need to be um, a very intentional creating of these moments and conversations with one another. Right. And that we need to be open and um, to hear and to listen and to learn. Right? Mm -hmm. And, and you know, like just one small thing, which I, I would just came to my mind is that with all this, uh, the lockdown generation, as we are calling them, we might mm -hmm. see that among the young professionals or young, uh, mm -hmm. you know, um, people who are just getting ready to enter into their uh, their walks in life because because of the reduced uh, in-person touch, in-person contact, uh, being together in the room with many people. Um, mm. And there are some studies and, and, and reports showing that, especially young children, they have missed out on it. And we might be facing a point in, uh, in, in time where people do not relate, you know, in, in the usual ways. So it's not only just a person wow. of color or somebody who's new in this culture. I'm afraid we might be looking at a generation of young people who will not be able to relate at the same level as the, the previous ex expectations. And again, that's a point where we want to watch for and be alert for and do something about it. Because, uh, you know, like, like we are at a point where the world has changed so much. And the, the, what was previously considered okay and normal, we may not see that anymore. But again, yeah. uh, again, you know, there are, the, the good thing is that we are able still to, to have that flexibility to still expect, you know, uh, great things yeah. from each other and continue to, to work together on that. So good. Well, Zara, I want to go into just, you know, your own story, uh -huh. uh, you know, my, as a storyteller, uh -huh. uh, I, I went into media because I realized as a young woman and as I was going into my career that I loved listening to story, bringing out the story in people, and then sharing other people's stories. And I really believe that that's why I'm where I am today mm -hmm. because I really sort of followed this gifting and really followed what 
where God was leading. And now, you know, it, it surprises me every day that I, I have a show. Like, it, honestly, there are moments I'm, I wake up, I'm like, this is my job? <laughs> and then I laugh and I'm just like, I, I get giddy because I'm like, this is wild. Who would have thought? And yet, you know, when I look back at my own story, it's like, oh, there were signs and there were, you know, handprints and things. But anyway, so, uh, you know, you've talked a lot about, you know, being a physician and and the different things that you uh, you have done and whatnot. But I want to hear your story as a child. Um, what what made you want to to do and be the person that you are and mm -hmm. advocating for women, mm -hmm. why you came to Canada and just, yeah, in general, your story, I'm always fascinated to hear uh, people's journeys. So wherever you want to start, uh -huh. you go for it. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I'll, I'll start, you know, like, because my, my story is as plain and a, a, as average as it gets, because, you know, like, um, uh, but still I'll, I'll, I'll share some aspects with you. Like I was born in a, in a Christian home. And uh, we were, um, you know, being as a religious minority, uh, we faced uh, many, many challenges, uh, you know, that mm -hmm. minorities do, you know, like uh, there's, there's social exclusion, there is stigma, there is uh, this separating out. And then there is this attitude of uh, being dismissive about yourself, the attitude of subordination. Mm -hmm an attitude mm. of being lesser than than the majority you know mm. uh, th that was the commonplace thing um that was uh, uh, and and then everybody who who is a religious minority you know um, many different you know countries in the world uh, they they have the same problem but you know my par my parents my mother was a physician and my father he taught um, math and physics mm. in school they were, uh, I was as eldest of this, the four siblings, they were so committed to, to do something about it, you know, to, to nurture a sense of importance of, you know, self-worth, of not being dismissive, of not being subordinate. You know, what happened mm -hmm. is that there comes a point where you have lived with that sense of subordination to the point where you just accept uh, the way it is and then you don't expect yourself to change or things to change for you. And I think that's what my parents tried to do. They created that, that sense of doing well, do, sense of you know, being able to share your, your thoughts in the house and in the, in the family time, being able to speak up and, and being able to uh, be part of that strength that came from from uh, um, being in the family. And and we were mm -hmm. taught Colossians 3.24, you know, whatever you do, do it with all your heart as if working unto the Lord. And I think that was a very strong aspect of why we mm -hmm. need to do well. Why do we, do we need to do the best uh, that we, we can? And my mother, she always said, do the best you can and until you know better. And I, I didn't know at that time that she was perhaps reading some of Maya Angelou's uh, work, but, but she would say that so many times, Melinda, that it became ingrained. And all we, all I learned, and then my siblings as well, was the, that we have to do the best and we are to do whatever we do mm. with all our heart into it. 
and my mother was also very very committed to to uh, you to to uh, nurture the the sense of self care among us and every night i remember she would sit uh, with us uh, for you know four of us and holding hands in a circle and and she built that strong core the strong core of self care which was founded on the on faith and daily devotion and prayer and i think that's why uh you know i was able to um to do to, things differently different from many other uh, children, uh people my age or children my age who were in that um you know, who who faced that minority uh, uh, you know situation and no and behold i went through school i went through medical school i went through you know um trained as a pediatrician went into public health at johns hopkins and now i'm ready to tell my story my story of you know which comes from the people i meet from the communities i served and from the mm-hmm. from the experiences i gained you know in 30 different countries across the world melinda uh, like wow. you were saying you know it was perhaps in the writing you know like uh, being able to grow that um mental broadness of being able to accept like what is happening around me is actually there to build me up and what i can do is to do my best as i do it unto the lord i think that prepared mm. me for for being able to come and serve in um, you know, many many different countries across the world and i was able to um you know <laughs> bring that with me when we came to canada you know so coming to canada was part of you know getting more uh, education and more knowledge and uh, okay. being able to advance a bit more in what you know and in self growth and in self um uh, awareness and self care as far as you know being able to be filled up to the point where you are you know able to share more so so i think that's what brought me and john we i was married by that time and uh, our two small kids we came to canada and that's where we we were able to uh live and survive and do well and you know what some of the things that mm. i i just described of uh having to you know being treated or having to live differently as a religious yeah. minority were were um were a stronghold actually when we came to canada as well because now we were again like i think we were earlier talking about it as women, as a woman of color i was again in minority here mm. different reason but again in minority culturally different mm-hmm. uh you know mm-hmm. uh, uh like uh, uh genetically different but then the 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 goodness and the nurture and the self care which is founded in faith is what what came into play because you know church played a very strong part in the sense of giving us the sense of belonging so my parents they were able to create that social capital out of friends and family and church which you know mm-hmm. um, as a religious minority we felt that uh, uh, church was the stronghold for many many people and that gave them that identity that belonging that mm. that uh, platform to do well and to be able to fill yourself up to the point where you are able to share with others as well so so here i am with you trying to you know share my story and i i'll continue to do that in many different ways 
Um, and, uh, and I'm hoping that, you know, um, with my current role with, with Red Shawl and with as a, as a consultant and coach, because, you know, that's what I've taken up in the, that's my most recent uh, endeavor. Um, uh, and then the, 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 the aim is that uh, to bring that philosophy into, into uh, the mindset, the philosophy that everyone is impactful. And, and, and the, the young professionals of today, you know, or the, uh, the people who are just ready to graduate, recent graduates or who have, you know, finished their studies, uh, they need to realize and to establish their personal impact. Their personal impact, which is based on their own self-care, on their self-awareness, on their strong, you know, impact that they feel that they can have. And once they have their personal impact, you know, established, then they are ready to change anything they touch. I love that. Everyone is impactful. And I know you're incredibly impactful. I just want you to just share a little bit. I'm going to ask you about the coaching and mentoring in a second, but Red Shawl mm -hmm. that you founded and now are the president of. Can you talk to me about that? Because that, the work is, is phenomenal. And it's so my heart and See Here Love's heart about empowering and equipping the next generation. We do that by... Uh, stories and re you know resources and content, but you're doing that by uh, very practical, hands-on ways. So can you just sort of share a little bit about the mission um, and focus of Redshaw? It's, it's incredible work. Yeah, definitely, Melinda. So this was years back, like 2013. You know, like I was saying, you know, I traveled to 30 different countries across the world and was part of the 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 different. Uh, religious groups and the cultures and that enriched me like I learned so much you know much much uh, more and beyond than what I learned in my country of birth and, and living in Canada and that's when I started to realize that you know the, the main aim that we, I was always working towards is better health right better life outcome mm -hmm. as far as you know and improving health so that women can have better uh, life outcomes but I also learned that if women were not enabled economically, there was no yeah. income stability, there were not, there was no educational stability, they did not do as well as they could have, you know. And that's right. when I started to realize that, you know, um, it's not only in the developing world or, um, you know, uh, the, the countries where I'm bringing those projects is right here in Canada as well, you know. Like these are women or young women or single moms or senior women or, or you know, educated professional women who are coming here as new, uh, new immigrants. They all face that challenge where the income stability becomes questionable it's, it's because mm. they cannot earn right away. They cannot have that that economic uh, leverage, which many others uh, others have because of you know um, uh, different reasons of being here longer or so that's when I started to talk to, uh, to a few women you know in in my church and my in my circle of uh, you know the, the you know the people I interacted with and and started sharing that idea and we thought that we should start to do you know like maybe form a little group and start to do something about it and that's when Red Shawl came into being the idea is mm. that a woman shares her shawl with the next one. So all your resources, mm. you know, like it, it, it's, it's the story from 
uh, Elijah and Elisha when he, the mantle was shared, not, not a whole lot was said. But even sharing of the mantle empowered uh, and, and provided that empowerment and, and, and confidence. And I think that's why we, uh, the name Red Shawl and Red being, you know, the vibrance and the color of life and brightness that you bring. And, and we started really small, like with, you know, providing clothing donations and providing some food donations and all. But slowly we, we started to build up and, and went into skills training. And so until up to wow. COVID-19, we've had strong, you know, experience of, you know, doing skills training for women, not to replace what they're doing, but just for additional income. Because I think that's what the, the thought is. When a woman has expendable income that she can use, she will use it to improve her family first. And then, of course, herself as well. So that, that piece mm -hmm. of extra income, that expendable income, that's, that's the goal. And I think that's where the skills training came in. And we've done uh, jewelry making courses. We've done alteration, seamstress courses. Um, those were the two most popular ones. Uh, which have been on hold for for last 23 months now because of COVID-19 and uh, the, the lockdowns. But but we are hoping to bring them back in a in a better way. Um, like you were saying, you know. So when you think and you want to expect better, uh, you find better ways. So we are hoping to be able to do that uh, online and and build a platform where we will be able to offer those courses. Um, you know, online. Um, and be able to, and, and that, that goes twofold. So it, it, it offers opportunity to the instructor who has been sitting mm -hmm. at home for last 23 months and, right. uh, and, and is not able to, to bring what she knows to, to the new, uh, to the people. So, so she gets a, a venue where she can start restart, you know, uh, bringing her knowledge to the, to the people uh, or the women that she is, uh, who sign up. But it's also for the women who want to add that uh, extra income. So I'm hoping that, you know, we have, we've, we've had some good, you know, opportunities to submit some proposals for that. And I'm hoping that this is going to come through and we will be able to offer that. Uh, the other thing that Red Shawl has done was, you know, we did a, we got a government grant actually to do a very strong research uh, with uh, Wilfred Laurier to find out, like, how do we bridge that income gap? And one of the main things that was uh, found out was the fact that uh, women do have a lot of capacity, but it's just finding that that venue where they can bring it forward and, and make it uh, work for them to bring that economic stability. So I think, uh, and, and we also did, you know, um, a very quick survey with our members. So the focus is coming back again to I think what we were talking about earlier is the younger women because you know like the new generations as we call them their expectation is different their yeah. the way of um, dealing with uh, with COVID-19 even is different they are very digitally savvy they know how to take it up and mm -hmm. you know run with yeah. it and they find ways to to be more um, functional you know as compared to some of the other generations but also the fact that they're still lacking that leadership, that the touch of experience is, is, is going to be a, a huge gap. And I think that's where we are, Red Shawl is, is going to focus on some of the, you know, 
professional development activities and also the employment, uh, enhancing the employment uh, for, the, for the newcomers or even the new graduates, because at times yeah. they, they have the knowledge, but they don't have that experience, that, um, that human interaction, which, which they have lacked for the last uh, few year, a couple of years now. So, so the, the, wow. the horizon is huge and we are yeah. gearing up to, to be able to deal with that and then bring better programs which, which respond to the need. And same holds for seniors too, because seniors were isolated. They were excluded. Mm-hmm. Senior women particularly, you know, because women particularly, typically they don't drive. They stay at home. The husband and the children, they all go out and get assimilated into their into their communities but women tend to you know put their need uh, last and 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 driving is the other biggest thing right and and when you don't drive you are you know you're still uh, bound to to the point that somebody has to take you you know and 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 so so that's that's the other big need that has come into uh, into picture right now is the the having a driver's license and i think uh, we we have proposed a project for that that to be able to help women who do not have enough money to spare you know to for herself you know to be able to go and uh, look into getting a driver's license which is a piece of identity for her which is a piece of um, you know increasing her uh, her ability to reach out to get out to take care of herself and to be when she takes care of herself better she's able to give care better as well yeah so i think that's in it. No, sorry. yeah no i just think i love that you know in all of your experience because i mean a lot of people have experiences and are experts but a lot of them don't necessarily then do something with it and you know become a social entrepreneur or you know found an organization you know what I mean and so you're so inspiring in that and knowing that the knowledge that you have the work that you're that you've done over the years in the 30 countries then understanding what women need and then creating a red shawl to respond it's it's beautiful it's it's what we should be doing especially you know women to women all of us as far as humankind and and people mm-hmm. Uh, providing opportunities to help others it's it's yeah. it's so fantastic yeah so really. so so we are you know bound to to help each other you know and 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 the focus is on improving women's lives so that they can improve yeah. communities woman by woman that's that's the slogan that we go go by so when we change things for one woman it it, it affects the family it affects the community and then yeah. when we are able to do it uh, you know the multiplication, the multiplying effect is there as well. So, so hoping that you know Red Shawl will continue to bring, um, you know, strength to the communities, to to the women and to the communities in future as well. Yeah, I know it's fantastic. Um, now, also, you do coaching and mentoring mm-hmm. as well. What does that look like? What is what? Um... I mean, it makes sense why you got into that work, but what does that look like as far as focus and and why you felt, yeah, I, I really want to do this. At all. I mean, you're not 
just sitting around. You're a busy woman. <laughs> there are so many things that you're involved in. And I can resonate because I'm always doing stuff too. It's like, you know, everybody says, if you want something done, give it to a, a, a busy person or a person that has a lot of things going on because usually they'll get it done. And mm -hmm. it's just some, you know, some people have high capacity to, to do a lot. Mm -hmm. um, and I can see that in you. So, so why coaching and mentoring? Um, again, uh, thank you, Melinda. Again, you know, going back to the point where, uh, you know, my previous work when, when I was actively traveling and, you know, providing um, services um, uh, across the world, um, I was able to uh, bring the knowledge and learning back into, you know, my organizations, the interns that came in. And that's where it started, you know. Um, other organizations, including universities, educational institutions, they, uh, they started talking to me to, to ask if I would be willing to be uh, a mentor for young uh, you know, um, professionals who are, who are getting ready to go into the employment or to the students who are still in medical school and, and in global health, uh, global development education. And, 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 and that's when it started. This was years back. And I was able to, you know, they, they used to call it Canadian Society for International Health at that time. And I was on their MentorNet program. I was providing uh, medical uh, mentorship to medical students in, you know, several universities in Canada. Um, but then now with the, uh, we see that health has evolved. Um, and, you know, the, 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 the pandemic has changed the health arena completely. The, the, uh, we talk about hybrid work. We talk about yeah, it, it's not nine to five office work, office centric work anymore. It's it's uh, right. you, you either go to office some days and and you work remotely the other days. And 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 you know, and everything is digital. And like I was saying, you know, the young mm. people, the young generation is is ready with that uh, digital uh, yeah. technology. They are ready to take up the challenges. And they are ready to to go and do more, and and I I think many um, many have done more too, and that's where again um, uh, I was contacted by several you know uh, organizations when uh, when they asked me if I would be a coach for their young professionals, and I was able to work with few students last year, and and I have three this year, who again are ready to be in the workforce, but they need um, mentorship in how to make decisions and how to be a strong leader. And, and some are even thinking that, should they go back to school and learn more, study more, get more, you know, um, experience? You know, last year I was, uh, she was such a dear um, person. She finished her MPH a few, couple of years ago, but when she was ready to go and work in Chad, um, she felt she was not ready at all. And mm. she felt that she was not seen as an expert. You know, so, so things like that, that you do not, do not see yourself as an expert because you have not been able to put your hands into it. And that's when, you know, I started to share with her and work with her, uh, you know, almost uh, half the year, half of the year last year <clears throat> to say that there is one thing um, to do a thousand things six times, but then to be able to say, I have done these six things a thousand times. Hmm. 
that's yeah. when you start feeling that you have you know more <clears throat> expertise you have more knowledge you have more practicality to offer <clears throat> uh, uh, you know something better to the other people that you're working with so she really caught up on that that clicked with her so strongly doing six things a thousand times so which helped her to narrow down to what are the kind of you know um uh career choices she wants to make the 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 school coursework that she wants to make and this is just an uh, an example of the kind of work that i've been yeah. doing with the young young women so far amazing i love that you know and i think as we women get older and we realize all the experience like there are moments are i still think i'm like 20 and i'm looking for a mentor and then realizing all these young women come to me and go can you mentor me and i and i laugh i'm like what <laughs> and then realizing I've had so many years of experience mm -hmm. that, yeah, I guess that there's a lot there to share yes. in, in what I've done. And, and so I, I, that's so good. And I'm so glad you're continuing to mentor and, and coach women, you know, as we look at, you know, this is sort of international women's day month and we're featuring, you know, amazing women who inspire us and who are changing the world. Uh, the focus for this year is, you know, break the bias and, and, you know, world where we see gender equality and gender parity and what, what's your hope for women this year? When we look at like, obviously this continued, you know, um, work toward equality, um, and breaking the bias, maybe what's your hope or how do you see just sort of synthesize how you see each one of us working towards that. Um, I have been doing some reading on it, actually, uh, Melinda, like, uh, you know, all these, the, the social justice issues, the, you know, the, the racial justice, and, you know, like the other things that we've been facing, uh, you know, uh, with the marginalized women and racial women. So, but then I came to the point that there, you know, like, there are three things definitely that we can do and I would like to propose mm. to do it myself and be able to demonstrate and also to share with other uh, young women who can do it too. So three things. The first one is to rephrase. So we need to replace the wording, the language, the lingo that we are used to. It's not racial injustice. It's racial justice that we are talking about. We need to replace the word but with yet. So yeah, you know, things have gone wrong in the past. And yet, this is what can be done. You need mm, to add good. the word yet for the possibilities. And that's when we start to show that we are dealing in hope. And when we have hope, we are able to change. Uh, and, and I think I was uh, sharing with you the uh, earlier a little bit, uh, the word shift where shift is changing uh, your attitude, your position, your opinion slightly. So it's that slight mm -hmm. change that can make a huge difference. So yeah. I feel that if we rephrase and we replace the word but with yet, we will start to talk different mm -hmm. and then we will able to, you know, to, to show um, uh, and demonstrate what we mean. The second word I think is refocus. And that's where, you know, again, uh, like I was saying, so when we start to talk differently, 
uh, we are able to behave differently and we are able to show the practices, the resources, everything that we have for ourselves, we can build that to, uh, towards having a personal impact, not only for ourselves, but also to, to the others around us. And that's when transformation can happen. So refocusing our, our behaviors, our own resources, our own practices uh, on the fact that we have rephrased and we are going to move forwards with a different mindset. And the third one is regroup, where, you know, it's like picturing, uh, you know, um, a few women who have realized their personal impact and their their rephrased statements and all, but now they are working together as an orchestra. So they are shifting their focus from what separates us to what unites us. And that's when I think, uh, you know, change can start to happen and we are, we will be able to chalk out uh, where we want to go. So young women, you know, they have that ability, like I was saying, to, to, to build, to, to understand, to become very self-aware and to refocus on changing. It will take time. I'm not saying that 2023 will be, uh, we will have it all done. It will take time, <laughs> right? It will take time. But again, when we know this is what we stand for, we have refocused, we have rephrased, and this is where we are going from here to something different. And I think that that's an important aspect that, I would like to bring, and, and I'm starting to do that in my own, you know, work and the way I behave and work and, and think also. And I would like that um, I can share that with other young women more and more so that, you know, it's like building that little tribe, that little orchestra that can work together. Mm. Make sense? <laughs> Makes complete sense. Yeah. Sorry, Gil, what a privilege <laughs> it was to listen to you and learn uh, and I, I'm, I'm so glad that you're part of our amazing women who inspire us and are changing the world series, Thank as you. well as we celebrate International Women's Day, what we like to say on See Here Love Women's Day, but not day slash month, mm -hmm. year life. Um, but we're cheering you on. Thank you. I am so continue, you know, continually inspired by you. I'm so glad I met you so many years ago and to see your journey as you've seen mine and how we've now come together to connect. But Thank you for the great work you're doing at Redshaw with your mentoring and coaching, uh, for your words and encouragement, for your thoughtfulness, uh, for all that you do. We appreciate you. Uh, thank you. Thank you so very much for being with us today. Thank you, Melinda, for, for the see here love, because I, I have been part of, you know, several, I've watched and been, you know, mm -hmm. um, uh, the several shows and the impact is huge. The, the, the topics that you're able to take up, the, the different you know, um, you know, women that you have brought on with their expertise and their backgrounds, that has had a huge impact on me. And I'm pretty, pretty sure it has had uh, many other women will be able to, you know, talk about it, like what they learned and how they changed um, their own thinking to be able to, to, to change what they do in life. So thank you so much to you and your team, but particularly to you to, to have this, you know, see, hear, love that you are seen, you are heard and you're loved. Thank you so much for that. Thank you, Zari. Well, I hope you enjoyed my conversation with 
the formidable and inspiring Zari Gill. For more information about Red Shawl, go to redshawl.org. You can find out more information about what they do and support them. But I hope that you, as you were listening, you kind of got the thread of Zari. That, you know, she started off as a physician and, um, you know, could have gone that direction, but really saw around her as she was doing that job, the needs of women and, and made the change to support young women uh, who are in need. And I'm not saying everyone does that. I'm just saying what inspires me is that she was aware of her, her surroundings. She was open to the challenges around her, what was happening. And then she made the decision to say, I'm going to do something about it. And I want to be a woman like that. I want to see the needs and go, what can I do? to make life easier, um, thriving, flourishing for another young woman? How can I ensure uh, that women get paid equally, that women get equal opportunity, that, that women aren't pushed aside because of their gender or their race? What can I do? And I, so I hope this conversation uh, encourages you, pushes you a bit, made you feel a little uncomfortable uh, so that there would be some choices that we need to make in how we live our life and the choices that we make, how we support other women. Um, and sometimes it may take something courageous and uncomfortable that we must do. And so I leave you with that. Uh, continue to pray and cheer on Zari and the women that she works with as they support the next generation. So with all that said, Amazing women who inspire us and who are changing the world. Look around you. There are many of those around you. And make sure that maybe today give them a hug, send some love, send a card or text to let them know that they're amazing. And always know, women and men, this truth, that you are seen, you are heard, you are loved. And I'm going to add, you are known and deeply loved by God. Hope to catch you uh, on the next episode of our amazing women who inspire us and are changing the world. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for your ongoing support of Crossroads, a supporter-funded nonprofit organization and member of the Canadian Centre for Christian Charities. Thanks to faithful people like you, we are able to continue producing See Here Love. You can write to Crossroads, P.O. Box 5100, Burlington, Ontario, L7R, 4M2, or visit crossroads.ca to learn more about our programs.